Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hey, welcome back to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast. My name is Dr. Jason Roundtree, and I'm very happy to have you here with me again this week. We are spending yet another week looking at the research, and today's especially going to be focused on a big factor that can be really a barrier to implementing excellent laser therapy in practice, and that really comes back to the many barriers that there are in performing effective light therapy in a clinical setting. Now, before I get entangled in this research study and this very, very important topic. Just a reminder that here at Laser Therapy Institute, we can provide training and clinical support for light therapy practitioners, especially laser therapy practitioners who are utilizing class for multi-wavelength devices in their practice. We also have a lot of other resources, uh, many of which are available for free. You can go to our website, lasertherapyinstitute.org, browse around, see what you can find there. There's just a ton of great resources. Again, a lot of them are free and they can get you started in the right direction with making sure that you're delivering effective clinical treatments. The other thing is, if you are in practice, you are delivering laser therapy or light therapy, or you're thinking you want to, I would highly encourage you to check out our training programs. We actually, right now, have some free training classes available. They won't be free for very long, so jump on there, sign up for those classes. They don't take very long to take. They'll really build your foundational knowledge on light and laser therapies and what some of these terms that we mentioned on the podcast, you know, what some of these terms really mean. Uh, and, and it'll help you in terms of setting up your own light therapy program. But if you're realizing that this is a bit more complicated than you have time to deal with, let us help you. We can train your staff. We can train you. We can make sure that you are using protocols and settings with your laser that will get you the very best possible results. So let's talk about getting the best possible results. You know, there are so many factors to consider with light therapy. You know, I think the biggest one really for most people is the wavelength. What color light are we going to be using? Um, but then you get into really kind of hairy things like power and time. You know, how long do you apply the light? Um, where do you apply it? What location are you going to treat? Which body regions? How much is too much? How much is not enough? Should you be treating multiple points? Um, you know, with like a hold type pattern, should you be treating the entire anatomy and everything associated with that problem area? What do you do for some of these more advanced conditions? You know, where do you treat someone for, say, chronic regional pain syndrome? And then how often? How often do you deliver light therapy treatments? How often is often enough? Do you, do you have to do it every day? Twice a day? Are we just talking once a week? You know, these are a lot of very basic questions that research hasn't given us a really clear answer on. So what we do then is look at the research that is out there and we compare that to what we see in clinical practice. Unfortunately, that does take quite a bit of experience to really see those patterns. So again, that's somewhere that LTI can help. You know, once you've got those factors figured out, there are still a lot of barriers to delivering light to your target tissues. And let's just use uh, the example of a rotator cuff tendon. 
you know, a rotator cuff tendon is going to be fairly deep in the tissues, and there's so many things between you and your light and that rotator cuff tendon pathology. The very first thing is going to be melanin. Melanin in the skin is a very, very big absorber of most of your near-infrared light. And when melanin is absorbing your infrared light, that means that it's not reaching those deeper tissues. It's not making it through the skin. It's being absorbed by the melanin in the skin. It's not getting down to your target, those pathological injured tissues. And this varies based on skin type. If you are, you know, just silly, untanned white like me, just about translucent, I mean, a lot of light's going to go through, you know, a very light-colored person. But if you are darker colored, there is going to be less light that can make it past that melanin barrier. And again, this is very dependent on wavelength. There's a lot of factors here. But generally, the more melanin content of the skin, the less light is going to make it through the skin to those deeper tissues. Another barrier here is scattering within the tissue. So once you get light through that kind of layer of melanin uh, into the deeper tissue, say the subcute and even into the muscle, you're still looking at scattering being a major factor within the tissues. Light does not travel on in a straight line, even from a laser, uh, once it gets into the tissues. You can have a very nicely collimated laser beam, coherent laser beam. As soon as it gets into those tissues, we are looking at major amounts of scattering, which means that the photons won't just keep going straight on down. They actually kind of end up going off to the side, bouncing around within the tissues, and that limits your depth of penetration as well. And, and if we're talking about penetration depth of the light, what target depth are we looking at? You know, if you're working on a wound, this is much less of an issue. Yeah, you need to get laser into the wound bed and into the vasculature underneath that wound, but we're not looking at, you know, like this rotator cuff tendon example. A rotator cuff tendon's, you know, a couple centimeters at least down through the tissues. So a lot of barriers, so many factors, there's a lot going on there. You know, if you've got a history with light therapy, you're already familiar with all these things. So let's talk more in depth about another factor here, and that is skin reflection. When it comes to skin reflection, we're not even talking about the amount of light that's absorbed by melanin. We're talking about straight up, not absorbed in the tissues at all, simply reflected back off the surface of the skin and then lost right? This is an amount of light that is not negligible. And how do we know how much of our therapeutic dose we're losing to reflection before we ever even deal with absorption by melanin, scattering within the tissues, not having light actually reach our target depth? I mean, this is a big factor, potentially, right? If you are applying light therapy, let's say you're using a visible red, right? 650 nanometers. If you're applying that visible red light and you can see it, then you're looking at skin reflection because the light that is getting absorbed and the light that is penetrating, you're not going to see. You're going to see what's bouncing back off that patient's skin. So if you're using a visible light for light therapy and you can see that on the patient's skin, you're looking at reflection. How much is being reflected? That's something that is very difficult to know. So we're going to go back to the research for this one. We're going to look at a study titled Low Power Laser Therapy for Carpal Tunnel Syndrome, Effective Optical Power. 
This was published in the Neural Regeneration Research Journal back in 2016. And it's a really interesting look, not specifically at carpal tunnel per se, but more at this issue of skin reflection. In the study, they say that laser therapy has been widely used for the physical treatment of orthopedics, wound surgery, and pain diseases such as osseous pain, muscle pain, soft tissue pain, neuralgia, and trauma pain. However, there is a long-standing dispute regarding the efficacy of low-power laser therapy for some diseases. For example, in the conservative treatment of mild to moderate carpal tunnel syndrome, which is a common entrapment neuropathy, we actually talked about this last week, right? In many cases, low-power laser therapy uh, is reported to be a simple and non-invasive physical therapy. However, the effects of laser treatment reported by different studies were all different and often contradictory. A systematic review from 2006 reported that the conclusions regarding the efficacy of laser therapy for carpal tunnel syndrome was highly inconsistent. And then, this is pretty interesting, these researchers refer back to the study we looked at last week, the 2013 carpal tunnel uh, study, with a very high power, high dose, 1064 and 830 nanometer laser treatment uh, for carpal tunnel syndrome that saw pretty good effects. And they say that the authors claimed that an obvious curative effect was achieved because the long wavelength laser beam penetrated deeper and scattered less, speaking specifically about the 1064 nanometer beam. They say, however, the laser power used was very, very high, and so it's unclear whether the high laser power or the long wavelength mediated the positive effect of this laser treatment. So, you know, in this very positive study on carpal tunnel that we had from several years back, was it really the wavelength that did it? Was it the super high power? If you want to know more about that particular study, go back to that last episode. Give that a listen because we're talking about carpal tunnel specifically in there. The rest of this paper, though, really has much more to do with skin reflection than it does carpal tunnel. And what they say about that is that when a laser beam irradiates human skin, significant reflection and scattering occur, which leads to a lower effective laser power compared with that produced by the laser head, right? So you're not gonna get the power that you're producing from your laser into the tissues. There's going to be loss through absorption and scattering and reflection. And then they say that also studies have shown that the laser reflection and scattering of human skin show significant individual differences. Therefore, we should be measuring the effect of laser power for every patient receiving laser therapy to compare and evaluate the efficacy of laser therapy. And that makes sense, right? We should be looking at the reflection issue as potentially needing to change or alter our dose parameters so that we are accounting for how much laser we are losing to reflection. So these researchers, uh, in order to evaluate reflection and how much laser light we are losing to reflection, built a device that surrounds the laser aperture, the laser head, as well as the wrist. And it's embedded with all these sensors that then measure how much laser light is being reflected from the skin back out into the world. And for the study, they were using an 810 nanometer laser, which actually has very good penetration characteristics into the tissue uh, without a lot of surface absorption. So really that's a good wavelength to use because we would expect that to achieve good penetration depth. And 810 seems to penetrate quite well, although it does have a lot of absorption in melanin. But in this case, we're really only looking at the reflection characteristics of this 810 near-infrared laser beam. 
Now, they looked at 30 different patients, and this is a Chinese study. They don't give us the skin types of these patients. I'm going to assume we're probably looking at a skin type 3, but I don't know. They don't really say in this particular paper. So, your results may vary based on skin type. We don't really know. But in this case, they had some really interesting results because between their 30 different patients included in this study, the reflection amount, the reflection coefficient, varied from 1.8 to 54%, meaning that for some of these patients, over half of the light being delivered was being reflected back off the skin, never absorbed, never even made it into the tissues at all. Now, to break that down just a little bit more, they say 36.7% of those 30 cases uh, were in the range of 10 to 20%, and then about 16% of cases were more than 40% reflection. So the bulk of folks that they studied were only in that 10 to 20% range, and that means that hopefully we're not losing that much laser, but there is a segment of the population, not quite 20%, that will lose more than 40% of the light to this reflection factor. Now, unfortunately, they didn't really give us any more interpretation of that data to say, well, here's why there was a difference in reflection. And so hopefully we'll be seeing more studies soon to say what these different factors are. But just imagine with me for a moment what those factors might be. Anything like oil production in the skin or moisture content of the skin could drastically affect your reflection coefficient. Right? If you have a more oily skinned patient, you're probably going to have more reflection off of the skin. Now, if you have a device like what they've got to measure the reflection, hey, you might know what that patient's reflection coefficient is. But I will say it's possible that could even change on a day-to-day -day basis. So you want to really evaluate how well your patient is responding. And if it appears that they are not responding, you may need to change your dosage. In this case, if you're suspicious that this patient may have a maybe higher reflection coefficient, then you should be increasing your power, maybe even doubling your power, your total delivered dose, so that you make sure that you are getting enough light through the skin into those target tissues. Now, something you can do to help minimize the amount of reflection you get in clinic is make sure you hold your laser handpiece completely perpendicular to the skin on the tissues you are treating. If you have an angle, you're going to lose a lot more to reflection than if you just hold that handpiece perpendicular to the skin. The more direct, straight on you can be, the less reflection you're going to get, and hopefully the less scattering within the tissues also. Another thing is being able to get that handpiece in contact with the patient's skin. If you have to hover or hold off, then you're going to lose more to reflection. If you can hold that handpiece directly on the skin, then you will minimize the amount of reflection that can escape out into the rest of the world. The last thing is to use a handpiece that can help to gather that reflected light and put it back toward the patient. Some laser hand pieces now have this, some don't. It's not a critical piece, but if you have a hand piece that's designed to capture some of that reflected light and reflect it back towards the patient again, then this reflection issue will be much less. Now, I know this is 
a complex topic and there are so many factors here. If you're feeling lost, please don't abandon hope, all right? There are so many resources that we have developed to make this simple and to make it something you can put into clinical practice and see your patients actually getting good results and getting better through light and laser therapies. Get a hold of me if you have questions. You can email me at info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can also jump on the website. Tons of resources that are available to you there. And if you have specific questions or topics you want to hear us do a podcast episode about, again, send me an email. I would love to have your suggestions, your feedback, and then be able to address questions that you and probably a lot of other people also have. Thanks very much for joining me. I'll see you back here next week. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.